Well, gracious Father, this morning as we worship you uh, from here in this big empty room as a worship team, and we worship you in homes all over Whatcom County and all over the world, Lord, we give you praise, God. There's nothing that can be done to stop our praise, Lord Jesus. We'll continue to lift your name up no matter what happens from our living rooms, from our bedrooms, from the kitchen, uh, from here, from all over the world, Lord, we will lift your name high and we will praise your name because you are worthy. And so, Lord Jesus, I thank you today that you are in every room where people are gathered. God, you're with us all around this town, all around this county, Lord. You're with us. And we praise you for that, Lord, and we thank you for that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're not confined by space, Lord, but you are with us in every place where we gather today, and we praise you for that. So, Lord, thank you for this time that we can share as families by live streaming our service. And God, we thank you that we are joined together by our hearts, by our love, and by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in all their homes said, Amen. Amen. Well, I think you should applaud the worship team in your homes this morning for coming in and leading an empty room, almost an empty room, in worship. So uh, you you guys can go. You don't have to stay. And for you guys that are in your homes this morning, I want to thank you for joining us as a family online, live streaming. Uh, We heard that there were just under a thousand hits at the first service, Uh, so uh, I haven't heard yet how many of you have joined us, but it doesn't matter. Here you are this morning, and I'm glad that John didn't show up in his pajamas, aren't you? Just his socks, right? So you're probably in your jammers. I'm glad that uh, you can see us so we can't see you, Um, whether you're in your beds Whether you're joining small groups in your living rooms, I know we have several small groups meeting today, and they're going to end their time together with brunch, and I want to encourage you to do that. Get together with a few friends, keep it nine or under, you know, because ten is that magic number. Uh, So get together with your friends, have some worship, you know, and enjoy the message together, live stream together, and then have some brunch or some lunch, and let's not let this thing keep us down, right? We're going to power our way through. And, and to be honest with you, this is how people have met for centuries all over the world. Uh, even now in China, uh, the largest part of the church is underground. They meet in homes. Iran is another, another place where people are meeting in homes because uh, they'll get persecuted if they don't. India, people are meeting in homes. And now for probably just a few weeks or maybe a month, we get to know how it feels. So enter in, enjoy the moment, and maybe we'll have a little more compassion for our friends around the world uh, as we do this together, right? So welcome to Livestream Family. And this morning, uh, we are excited to continue in this series, which oddly enough seems to have been planned for this very time. You know, I love how God does that, how His Holy Spirit just speaks to us. We had no idea that we were going to be in this kind of a trial, uh, but that's what this uh, series is about. It's about how do we face our trials, how do we make it through our trials. And Peter is writing to a church that is in huge, desperate trials. And so it's a perfect time for us to be in this series talking about how to have focused faith in times of trials. I'd say we're in one of those right now, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. So when trials come, like now, we always have a choice how we're going to respond. Uh, We can respond in fear, uh, which many of us do, and throw reason out the window and throw wisdom out the window. Or we can respond in faith. And that's how God wants us to respond. And responding in faith means that I'm going to place my trust in God 
but I'm still going to use wisdom in my life. I'm still going to use reason in my life, and I'm going to love the people that are around me in my community, and I'm going to do the best I can be to love them and serve them. And this trial, oddly enough, has given us really a great opportunity to live differently and to bear in mind those around us that are maybe struggling, struggling a little bit more, and maybe even those that don't have the trust in God that we have. And so I'm going to suggest this morning that we use this time of trial to grow, to grow in our expression of, of who God is to us, but who God also wants to be through us to our community, to those people that we, that we live with. And so the title of, of this morning's message is Focus Faith to Grow Through Troubled Times. You know, I started out a little smaller than I am today. I started out about seven pounds, four, seven pounds, six, something like that. But I didn't stay there, did I? I've grown. You know, there's a lot more of me than there used to be, and it seems to be even growing more. But when you're born as a baby, that's what you do, right? You grow. That's what you do. That's what's expected of us as babies. There's no stopping it. Uh, some people grow more than others, and I'm always amazed. And here's a picture of our big boy, Liam, and his family. I'm always amazed at how such big people can come from such little spaces. I mean, look at his mama there. You can't even hardly imagine, right, that big Liam, all 6'11 of, of him, came from his mama, Deborah. I don't know how tall you are, Deborah. Maybe 5'4", 5'5", 5'6", something like that. But our growth physically is such a miracle, isn't it? But so is our growth spiritually. It's a miracle. It's amazing that, that we change the way that we do and grow the, the way we do. And so I show you a, a picture of the brain this morning. This is our physical brain. In our physical body, our brain is um, you know, organized and, and controlled by our pituitary gland, which is just a small pea-sized gland there in the middle. See if you can find it. Any kids watching today, here's the Where's Waldo for your morning. Where's the pea-sized pituitary gland, right? And this gland plays a major role in regulating all the body functions and our general well-being. And it's referred to as the body's master gland. Just this tiny, tiny little pea-sized gland is the master gland because it controls all the activity of most of the other hormones that we have, uh, secreting glands, and it produces HGH, which is the human growth hormone. So this tiny, tiny little gland is the gland responsible for making us grow. Uh, that's not all it does. It also regulates our body composition, our body fluids, our muscle and bone growth, our sugar and our fat metabolism, and even our heart function is regulated by our pituitary gland. Now, of course, pharmaceuticals have figured out how to produce and package and market HGH, so you can get big like me and my friend Arnold did. You know, this is me back in my 40s. You know, you can see the great tattoo, Gwen Forever. My wife will like that. Um, but yeah, you know, you can get really, really big if you take HGH. But our bodies are so complex. It's really crazy to deny that we're designed and created in God's image. It's the, the fact that we are beautifully and masterfully made. This growth system that we have in our brain and in our body is so intricate. And it's so amazingly complex and because it's regulated so amazingly, most of us will grow from birth to the size that our DNA has established we're going to be. We will simply follow the recipe that our DNA has laid out for us. Each of us has a unique and different DNA, uh, which holds information for how big we're going to be. Of course, our weight will vary depending on what we eat, 
or don't eat, right? Uh, But our DNA will determine by its information how much we grow. And this too gives us an idea that our design has intelligence behind it. Because where there's information, there has to be intelligence. So our DNA holds information. That means it must have come from intelligence that designed us. Uh, Of course, we know who that is, right? It's God. And this little pituitary gland regulates it all. Now, in our series, faith is the growth hormone. Faith is the growth hormone of our spiritual life, of our new life in Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 17, Truly I tell you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed or like a little pea for our purposes this morning, right? If you have faith like a little pea, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And when I think of mountains, I think about the mountains of sin in our life. And I think about how the fact that if you have faith, no sin in your life, no mountain of sin in your life will be impossible to move. And in fact, all the growth that God wants you to have is possible if we will just simply cooperate in faith with what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. So look at what growth-focused faith produces in our life. Here's a picture of your brain with some new labels. Focused faith, getting to know Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection, is what initiates our growth. So our growth begins with our faith in Christ. And then we become followers of Christ. And God wants us to begin to uh, express these virtues in our life. And here they are. So you see there's faith right there, the little gland, the little pea-sized gland right at the bottom middle. And then you see these are the virtues that God wants to develop in our life through faith. They are brotherly affection, godliness, patient endurance, knowledge, moral excellence, self-control, and finally the blanket that covers it all, love for everybody. And you see that what blocks those things in our life is fear. It's fear. Fear is the enemy in our life. And so these are the things that God wants to do in our life. These are the virtues that Peter says in the next few verses are going to be expressed in our life as our faith grows. So this morning, if you identify with Christ and if you share this precious faith, these are the virtues that will grow in your life and that will characterize your life. So let's open our Bibles this morning in your homes, uh, where we are, wherever we're at. Let's find out how to grow in troubled times. We're in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith. Would you say precious faith? Precious faith. We have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Let me say that again because it's so powerful that we see where grace and peace comes from in our life. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So let's kind of break this down a little bit this morning. Precious faith is what makes you grow in your relationship with Christ and it results in you having more grace and peace in your life. Now, think about what we're going through right now in our community, in our world. The stress in our lives that COVID-19 has brought. All the changes that have been forced upon us just in the last few weeks by this little virus 
You know, in addition, uh, the government mandating closing schools, uh, have our lives changed, parents? Uh, closing the schools, restricting the size of our assemblies, except Costco and Winco. Uh, by the way, I was in Costco on Friday. Don't ask me why. But this is what I saw. This is checkout lines, not really lines. Checkout mob is what you might say. And, and Gwen and I pulled up on Friday. I, I just needed to get my glasses looked at. So we thought, oh, we'll pick up a few things. At one point, I said, let's abandon our cart and let's just go. It's crazy in here. But there must have been more than 1,000 people in Costco. And you can see there's no six-foot social space, right, between people. And so this is a mob of people as they went about their hoarding of toilet paper and buying all the stuff on the shelves. And I, I found myself thinking, you know, we can isolate as much as we want, but if we run down to Costco, there's a very high chance that, that if there's corona, that's where it is. And it's in the vitamin aisle because that's where the line was, was in the vitamin aisle. So that's just kind of ironic to me, right? So let me put it this way. Today we gather as families, isolated in our homes. It's a little bit ironic to think about it this way. We're going to worship together as a church because the church is you. It's all of us together. It's not a building. It's not where you go on Sunday. The church is the people. So the church is you. And after you isolate and have church in your home, you can get in your car and drive down to Costco and mingle with a thousand people if you want. God bless America, you know? Isn't it great? Aren't you glad, though, that your worship, your expression of your heart to Jesus cannot be mandated? Aren't you glad we carry that wherever we go? Aren't you glad it doesn't matter where we are in the world? I have friends in Lithuania this morning who are watching this evening, actually, their time with their entire college who've, who've been isolated. Aren't you glad that wherever we go, we can worship Jesus? It's so, so awesome. So in Peter's time, as the church was facing far worse circumstances than we are, now we can get a little taste this morning, but yet it was far worse. They were facing death persecution peter says have faith grow closer to jesus and be people of grace and peace let your relationship with christ produce grace and peace in your life so that you're not like all the other people this should distinguish us from the rest of the world why peace well peace because we know our life is in his hands we know that god's not going to allow anything to happen to us that he hasn't willed and so peace is the even if in our life. Even if things go horribly wrong, we know that you are still good, God. And we know that we can worship you no matter what happens. And at the same time, we have grace. We have grace for those people that don't have that peace that we have. We cut them some slack because we know they don't have the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. Or maybe even some fellow believers that don't have the same level of trust that you have, maybe you need to have grace for them. So peace and grace is what Peter says. And remember, he was talking to people that were in far worse circumstances than we are. So I think he would say to us today, hey, you can have some peace and you can have some grace in your life as well. Amen? From every home, amen? All right. So here's how it is. When you're born again, FGF is put in place, the faith growth factor just like hgh human growth hormone we have fgf the faith growth factor and you begin to grow the moment that you're born again you begin to grow and know jesus better and if you don't grow it's usually because there's something lacking 
in your life or in your diet. Just like we have to have HGH to keep us growing and systems in place to monitor that growth, God has given us the faith growth factor. Everything we need, Peter says. Peter says we have everything we need to grow in grace and peace. Let's read on. Verse 3. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received. We have it. We already have it. We've received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. I tell you, there's no time like the present for this scripture to really apply and make sense, right? I mean, the longer these kinds of crises go on, the more corruption we have. And so what Peter's saying is don't give way to the world's corruption, but rather share in his divine nature by truly believing and holding on to the great and precious promises that he has given us. So number one in your notes today, and you can find this online, you can find it at our website, you can find it on your app. I recommend you download your apps. You can stay in touch with us the best way possible. But here it is. Number one, rest knowing we are equipped. Rest knowing we are equipped. That we have everything we need to grow. Here's how it is. We should grow as we come to know our Lord Jesus Christ. There should be growth in our life. When you received Christ, you became a brand new person. You were born again just like a baby who receives HGH, you're born again spiritually, you receive FGF. And just like a baby, you are born again. And as a new person, your faith begins producing new virtues in your life. Character of God things, virtues of God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, he said, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. So, We belong to Jesus, and the more we come to know Jesus, the more we trust and live in his promises, not in our own strength, not in the strength of the world, but promises that Peter taught us over these last several weeks. Here are some of them, like forgiveness of our sins. What a great promise. Like the cleansing of our lives, like friendship with God. We have God as our best friend in your home this morning. Whatever you're facing, God is your best friend. He is there for you, 100%. Uh, We have Jesus' promise to come back for us. Isn't that great? And we have the promise of eternity with him. And we have the promise, Peter told us just a few weeks ago, of eternal inheritance that God has prepared for us. And these divine promises that we can hang on to help us in times of crisis. They keep our attention on Christ, not crisis. If you're finding that you're focusing so much on the crisis... I can guarantee you that you're not focusing on the divine promises of God. And so we've got to shift our attention to what God has promised and focus on Christ, not crisis. And when we do that, we stay focused on Christ, not crisis. We share his divine nature more and more. We become more like God himself, and we don't get drawn in by the corruption that is going to come because of the crisis. So that is how we stay pure and stay set apart from this world in the midst of crisis. So Peter says, 
He says we, divine, we, we share God's divine nature more and more when we place our trust in his promises, not in the world and not even in what the world can do for us. So let me ask you this morning, how does it feel to know that you have God's divine nature in you? How does that feel? I mean, we don't often stop and think about that, but that's the truth. God has shared his nature with us. And we have the Holy Spirit living in us, so we share God's divine nature. It's what sets us apart. And so when crisis hits, we don't have to be desperate because we're divine in that sense, that we share God's attributes. Remember that. We share His divine nature. God lives in us. So let's live like He lives in us. And let's not become like the world. So Peter goes on to say in verse 5, he says, In view of this, all of this that we just talked about, in view of this, make every effort to respond. In other words, we've got to do something. Respond to God's promises. Listen, even though we have this FGF, the faith growth factor, we still have to make every effort, Peter says. We still have to do something. It's just like with our bodies. Even though we have HGH, we still need to have nourishment and nutrition. We still have to drink clean water, lots of it. I do that. I just add coffee to it. You know, it's a lot more fun. And we still have to exercise our bodies. We have to make every effort to stay healthy if we're going to grow in our physical body. Or we'll become malnourished. We've all seen pictures of children that don't get enough nourishment as they're growing up. And their growth is stunted. And they stay very, very small and skinny. And sometimes even their hair color changes if they don't have the right nourishment and so the same is true spiritually spiritually even though we have fgf faith growth factor even though we still need to add to we still need to be nourished we got to have the nourishment of the word of god we have to have the nourishment of the clean water of the power and relationship with the holy spirit in our life added to our faith Those three are the power three that we need to experience the spiritual growth supplement that we're going to add to those three things. SGS. There's another thing for you to write down this morning. SGS, spiritual growth supplement. Peter writes about this. Next verse. Supplement your faith. That means add to your faith. So it takes more than just faith. It takes your choice, your decision to add to it with A generous provision of, number one, moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everybody. That's the love blanket, right? That's what covers everything you might have missed. If you can't think of something, or, or, or you didn't add something, of a virtue, just, you know, love for everybody. That'll cover it, right? These are the virtues that Peter says we choose to supplement our faith with. And Peter makes it clear, just like you eat good food, just like you drink good water, he says we need to choose to live these virtues because knowing Christ, we're going to grow. But we've got to, number two, do something about it. We've got to do something about it. It's not just enough to have faith. You've got to do something with your faith. Like James said, you've got to have works as well as faith. And and your works prove your faith. So faith in Jesus Christ is what sets us apart from the world. It makes us distinct. But we need to supplement it in order to grow. We need to add to it 
the nutrition of the word, the water of the spirit. And these three things together, faith, nutrition of the word, and water of the spirit produce the lifestyle of grace and peace that Peter's talking about. So there are seven virtues. We, we saw them on your brain on the screen that Peter says should come out of us. Even when we find ourselves in the, in the squeeze of crisis, like a lemon that is squeezed in a press, what comes out of a lemon? Lemon juice, right? It comes out of the press. What should come out of us in the squeeze of crisis are these seven virtues. Here they are. Let's talk about them a little bit. They're on the screen in front of you. Number one, moral excellence. Moral excellence. Our morals reflect God's values. How we live our life and how we teach our children to live. And I've got to be honest with you, this is why Christian parents are so upset and offended by the state wanting to legislate teaching sex curriculum to our children from kindergarten up. It's because... That's morals. That's morals that our kids are being taught. And so parents, we need to be the ones that teach our kids. And even if the state does legislate this in, even if they do, parents, you need to beat them to the punch. You need to be the ones that instill the moral values of sexual identity and sexuality and and what is right and what is wrong and what is best to live out your divine design in Jesus Christ. It's our job, parents. Let's not give it away to the state. So moral excellence. And then number two, to our moral excellence, we add knowledge. Knowledge comes from the Greek word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-N, gnosin, which means a spiritual knowing that comes through the word and the spirit. You know, when we think of knowledge, we usually think of how much we know, right, content. But that's not what this is talking about. Gnosin actually means like relational knowledge. So knowledge that we gain from knowing Jesus and a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that's what this is talking about. It's relational knowledge. So the closer you grow to Christ is going to bring out this virtue of knowledge. And then we add to that self-control. Self-control, specifically what this means is controlling our human natural passions. We all have passions. We all have desires. And this means keeping those in check, like You know, what we're talking about today, maybe not fighting over toilet paper in the aisles or fighting over parking spaces. Don't lower yourselves to the same things that the rest of the world is doing. And then we add to self-control, patient endurance. Or another word you might hear is perseverance. This comes from the Greek word hypomenon. And this literally means to stay under, to stay under. Now, kids in the room today, uh, you may do this at the, at the swimming pool. I used to do this when I was a kid. We would have contests to see how long we could stay under the water, right? And we would take a deep breath and we'd go under and we tried to be the one who could stay under the longest. So we'd hold our breath until our lungs began to hurt and we started to black out. And then we'd finally come to the surface and look around to see if we won, right? And that was the goal, to stay under as long as we could. And this is true about patient endurance. That God wants us to have this virtue of being able to trust Him and to stay under or to live under extreme uh, long terms of crisis like people in other countries I mentioned have been for their entire life and will. So this, this is not unusual around the world to stay under, you know, to persevere under extreme strain, to trust Him, to rely on Him, and to not give way to fear. That's the key, to not give way to fear. And then number five, we add godliness. This is where we get the word word piety. 
And this simply means that we live life by God's virtues, not by our own. That's what godliness is. And then number six, we add to godliness brotherly affection or, or love for one another. This true affection that comes from getting to know somebody and really caring about them and having this affection from the Greek Philadelphian, you know, where we get the name of the city Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, which really means that we help care for others. And this is such a great virtue to have in our hearts and in our lives during this crisis, right? Because what we want to do is express brotherly, sisterly affection, and we want to help those who are in need. And what a great opportunity this is for us to do the things for others we wouldn't normally do, to find out who needs help, to find out who needs a hand, to find out who needs some groceries, what have you, right? And to offer that to one another, maybe help out uh, with kids' lunches or maybe uh, delivering necessities to people who can't get out, maybe watching some of these kids if they have to go somewhere. That could be a great thing. And then finally, number seven, the big blanket is to love everyone. To love everyone. This comes from the Greek agapen or agape. And it's really desiring the highest good for the other person. It's having a relationship with somebody and saying, what does this person really need? What do they really need? Now, notice I don't say, what do they really want? Because sometimes what people want is not what's best. It's not their highest good. And so as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to discern that and decide uh, how do we treat one another. And the highest love always comes with a mixture of grace and truth, both. So you don't just lead with grace because maybe that's not what they need. You don't just lead with truth because maybe they need some grace, right? So there's this mixture that Jesus had that we want to have of grace and truth, not telling people just what they want to hear, but telling people what they need to hear. And that's really that mixture of grace and truth. So here's what I want you to know about these virtues. This is not just so that you can become a good person. These virtues are really given to us so that we can do the great commandment, which is to love those around us. We're called to impact our world, to fulfill the great commandment, to love our neighbor as ourself. And I'm telling you, this crisis is giving us a great opportunity to fulfill these virtues in our life and grow in these virtues in our life as we come alongside people in a loving way and give them what they need, not just what they want. And then this uh, not only is limited to the great commandment, but then this also goes into the great commission, which Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, where he said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, let this time of crisis become a time of inviting people to enjoy the relationship with Jesus that you have. Now, maybe this time of crisis is going to give way to homes all over Whatcom County where people gather for small groups that weren't there before. And those small groups become places where people can come and get a little taste of what it means to be uh, have a relationship with Jesus through the hospitality that you offer. I mean, the opportunities are limitless through this crisis if we will just respond with these virtues that God has given us. So grow and go to your neighbor. Peter goes on in verse 8. He says, The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way or develop the virtues are short-sighted or blind. The Greek word is myopia, which means that we just keep looking inward. We just keep looking at ourselves and our lives, and we don't care about those around us. 
that they're without Christ. And so Peter's saying, don't be short-sighted or blind. Don't forget that you've been cleansed from your sins. Don't let your salvation stop there at this beautiful cleansing that we have, but let it move into a greater expression. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love how Peter seems to indicate that there's the normal entrance and then there's the grand entrance. How many of you want the grand entrance in your homes? Come on, let's see. Wave your hands. You know, I can't see you, but I trust. I have faith that they're there. You know, it reminds me of being in an airport. I'm in airports a lot and it's like, okay, you line up for your flight and you have the first class line that there's hardly anybody in. And then you have the economy line that everybody, including me, is in. I've never flown first class in my whole life. And so you stand there, and I, and I always say to myself, I wish I could just be in the first class line. I don't even care if I sit in first class. Just let me go through that line because I hate lines. And I hate being in the herd of cattle, you know, as you wait to get on the plane. And Peter indicates that heaven's going to have like a, a first class line in that there's a grand entrance for those who really allow God to develop and grow these virtues in our life and come to the place where we allow him to use these virtues to impact our world. That there is a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom. And Peter compares this to the rest of us, the economy group, right? Where we just have enough faith to have our sins forgiven. And that's kind of where we stop. And he's saying, no, 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 don't do that. Don't stop there. Let me develop these virtues in you that are going to give you a grand entrance. Like we're all going to get to heaven through our faith in the grace of Jesus Christ. But there are those who will have a grander entrance. And I think about Stephen, right? Stephen, when he was being stoned to death, I think about the grand entrance. I think about the fact that it's the only place in Scripture where we see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father instead of seated and he stands as, as Stephen, being stoned to death, looks up into heaven, sees Jesus standing, and, and it says there's glory over the face of Stephen as he allows the virtues of God to be lived through him even to the point of death. And we have that opportunity. We don't even have to die. But we have that opportunity to let the virtues of God live through us in this season of crisis that we're in. You know, this corona crisis has actually given us a great opportunity to grow and go. And that's your last point. Number three, grow and go. Maybe our travel is restricted. Maybe we can't hop on planes as easily. Maybe we have to have 14 days of isolation when we come back to our country. But we can go to our neighbors. It's not far. We can walk next door. We can walk down the street. We can be productive and useful in our neighborhoods. And that's what crisis does. Crisis creates connection. As much as they're telling us to isolate, I'm saying the natural outcome of crisis is to create connection between people, which brings about community. We are built as human beings to long for communion in crisis. That's what we want. That's why it's so hard for us to stay away from church. You know, when it comes to we all want to gather together and be in this big building and be together. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing to be in our homes, but there's also something special Right about being five, six hundred of us together in one room. And so we long for that. We are tribal people. 
And this crisis is a perfect time to be productive and useful to reach out to our neighbors. And I encourage you in this time that we're facing together to reach out, to be communal, to invite people over. Invite your neighbors over. Keep it nine and under because 10, you'll catch something. But if it's nine and under, you won't. And so a little sarcasm there. Um, And so invite people over, share a meal, share church, you know, just share hospitality with them or give them a call and see what it is that they need you to do for them. You know, last year, about a year ago, it was, I remember God starting to speak with me about our church breathing life into small groups. You know, we're a small group uh, DNA church. That's our DNA. We've always you know, talked about small groups and we still do. But God spoke to me about a year ago to really start breathing life. And just a few weeks ago, we decided to make some changes where small groups are going to be front and center again. We're really going to encourage people to get into small groups. We had no idea this isolation thing was coming. And isn't it interesting that just a few months after we made the decision to really pour our energy into the development of small groups, that it became illegal for us to gather in groups over 250 people. You can actually be fined for that now. And so we'd be forced into home groups. Isn't that great? Don't we serve a great God? I mean, I just think that is so cool. And so the question is today, as we think about that, here's the question I want to ask you. What is God doing in your life in this moment of crisis? Which virtue is he working on? What is he wanting to bring about in your life in greater measure? And then the question, what is God doing in us as a church, as North County Christ the King? What is God doing in us? How might we look different after four weeks or six weeks or two months of uh, this sequestrian? You know, what, how are we going to look different than we did before? And how are you going to look different than you did before? What is God going to grow in you and bring out of you that wasn't so strong in you before? What virtue is he going to use in your life. So I'm going to encourage you to use this time of crisis to pray. Use it to seek his will. Connect with your community. Use it to build bridges in your neighborhoods. Meet the needs of those that live next door. Let these virtues grow in you. And Peter says that if you do these things, if you respond to faith by supplementing your faith with these virtues, Peter says, you will never fall away and your faith will not falter. Now, that doesn't mean that some people are going to lose their salvation. He's not talking about that. This is the church he's speaking to. So you've got to remember that. But what he is saying is that if you will focus on the virtues and focus on loving your neighbor and having brotherly affection, if you'll focus on that, it will take your eyes off of yourself. You will become less myopic and you will live beyond your own challenges in your own conditions and you will give yourself away to the people that need you in your life and that will make your faith strong and that will keep you from faltering why because you're going to put your eyes on christ not the crisis and so this morning as we close i'm going to invite you just to to pray with us Uh, please don't because the message is over please don't turn off your laptop yet or your television i'm going to invite the worship team to come We want you to take a few moments and pray for our community, pray for our state, pray for our country, pray for our world. Uh, Today has been designated, um, you know, prayer day, international day of prayer. And so we want to honor that and we want to pray together. So there's power in prayer. We're going to join, you know, thousands in our community. We're going to join millions around the world uh, by praying together and asking God to have his way 
in these times that we're in. So let's bow our heads together as the worship team gets ready to lead us in two more songs. I'm going to invite you to stay and worship with us uh, together as a church online this morning. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Father, again, we're so thankful for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you've promised never to leave us or forsake us. That even though we walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, that we will fear no evil, but you will comfort us. And you will even prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And that our cup runs over, Lord. We are blessed still in this nation. And that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so, Lord, we pray that you will help us to hang on to your divine promises and let you work your virtues in our lives. And may we be different at the end of this crisis than we were before. And now, Lord, we lift up our community, we lift up our state, we lift up our world. We pray, God, for your working in their lives all over the world, God, every church everywhere. God, I lift up John and Cynthia this morning in Lithuania. Pray for them as they're in lockdown in their university, God. I just pray for your grace to them. Pray for our churches in every country around the world, God, as, as leaders negotiate this crisis. And God, we lift up your people. And we say, Lord, bless us with wisdom and bless us with grace and peace and strength, all that we need for every day that we face. And God, we thank you today for the precious presence of your Holy Spirit that we are never alone, even to you, you person this morning who are watching and participating with live stream. You may be alone in your kitchen. You may be alone in your living room or in your bedroom. You are not alone. The Holy Spirit, God himself is with you and you have the support of your church, even though we may not be in the room with you today. So you are not alone. And so, God, we lift up our world. We pray for wisdom for our leaders all around the world, God, in their different responses to this. And may you give them all the wisdom that they need. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Would you worship together, one church, connected by live stream and computers, and connected with us here at the building? Uh, would you just worship with us this morning as we close?